We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, September the 21st, 2021. Today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every single Tuesday to help me break down the Gamecocks 40-13 to loss over the weekend to the Georgia Bulldogs, as well as look ahead to this weekend's matchup as the Gamecocks take on the Kentucky Wildcats in their SEC home opener. Guys, we got a packed show here on a Tuesday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so what Gamecock owns small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group, of course. If you have any other questions, go to their website, Upstate Movers group.com that's upstatemoversgroup.com be sure to check them out and tell them chris from the spurs up show sent you let's get it Guys, does each and every single Tuesday, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath. Alex is going to help us break down what happened over the weekend as the Gamecocks fall to the Georgia Bulldogs 40 to 13. And we'll also look ahead to this upcoming weekend, a huge matchup at Williams Bryce Stadium as the Gamecocks take on the Kentucky Wildcats. Also, 
It's Ryder Cup week. We might talk a little golf here on a Tuesday. Ryder Cup, Cup week up at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. But, uh, yeah, as always, again, appreciate Alex McGrath taking the time. And Alex, as we talked last week, did have his member guest over the weekend. I think, Alex, it's safe to say your golf game went a little bit better than South Carolina's game did on Saturday night in Athens. It, it came it came back really nicely with a vengeance. <laughs> did, not, did uh, not break 70, but did, not did, break 70, did go sadly. better than South Carolina's performance Saturday night. It did. It did, which, you know, should have told us everything we needed to know. It didn't break par. We knew it wasn't going to go our direction. That's my apologies for not letting all of the listeners know that so they could bet accordingly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But, hey, we did cover. Good teams win. We, great teams cover. So, yeah. And you, 30, you shot, 32 seemed like too much. You shot well enough for us to cover, not well enough for us to win. So, hey, That's, at least Gamecock Nation, you had the plus 32 or the plus 31 or whatever you got it at. You can thank Alex McGrath's great golf game for that uh, that that <laughs> happening. Uh, yeah, before we get going, man, like I said, I, be, I bet you didn't expect me to say that one. It is Ryder Cup week. Are you excited for the Ryder Cup? I am very excited for the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love the Ryder Cup. I love the, like, atmosphere of the Ryder Cup. I mean, we're going to see, you know, typically every time it's on U.S. soil, and I don't know why this is the case or why this is even a rule with the Ryder Cup, but they let the home team pick the pin positions. For wherever really? you're gonna be. So oh, I didn't yeah. know that. No, I didn't know that. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're gonna see some funnel pins if there are funnel pins to be had out at Whistling Straight. So we'll see how that goes. Dude, I had there's gotta be like some bickering with the guys too, like where some guys want the pins versus what so I'm curious because I'll be honest, I haven't been keeping up with it at all. Like, wh- how's the outlook of this one as far as USA's chances to take down take down the guys? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, like one of our best players isn't really into the Ryder Cup, according to his yeah, according yeah. to his oh, publicist. Dude, Kepka doesn't I mean, care about anything. Like no, <laughs> no, no. Personally, I'm rooting for like a Bryson Brooksy fight. Like oh, so they're both in it. Oh, that's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Great, great team chemistry. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and Bryson's worried about like prepping for long drive competitions in the off season, so. <laughs> Our guys' heads are in the right spots. It's obvious. I, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like they are. But you know what? I'm not going to count us out. I'm not going to count us out. He, JT's on the team, right? Yep. He'll hold it together. JT will hold it together. Hold yeah. It together JT and Spieth will be out there doing. Yes. This. I don't know if you knew this. Did you know they knew each other when they were kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so yeah. Okay. I, I, so you I have they, seen they, that posted? Yeah, they they played in all kinds of junior <laughs> tournaments together, and like they've been buddies forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I like. I mean. I think it's going to be pretty even. I think it's helpful that it's on American soil and they're going to have some favorable locations for our bomber squad. So mm. we'll see how it goes. Precision yeah, golf is not our specialty. <laughs> yeah. You got Kepka and Brooks and all those guys mm. swinging out of their shoes. So yep. not quite a finesse game that will be played. No, this week. no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that though. I really haven't watched any golf probably since the Masters, So I'll be looking forward to watching the boys do the thing at, uh, whistling straight right i always love when the Ryder cup was on foreign soil though and it's like they're literally teeing off at 2 a.m our time and it's just like you have a reason to i, I never forget like being in college and getting back from the bar and you're like the Ryder Cup's starting it's like three right. in the morning <laughs> yeah you know? no i mean that's not exactly coffee golf but it's coffee right. golf and i do appreciate <laughs> it right for sure for sure anyways though we're talking football alex obviously what happened over the weekend gamecocks falling to the Georgia Bulldogs, not really unexpectedly, 40 to 13. And I'll start there, Alex. I'll ask you this. And I asked uh, Mike Gillespie on our show yesterday the same exact question, but I'm curious to get your take. And I think I know 
what your answer is going to be when it comes to expectations. Expectations are very important. And some labeled me last week as being negative and being pessimistic in regards to that game and coming into it. All I was trying to do was keep expectations realistic of what South Carolina has currently on their roster in year one of Shane Beamer versus what Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs have on their roster. And again, I think you saw that play out on Saturday night. When you look at the game as a whole, again, nobody's going to be happy about a 27-point loss, but I think good things did happen. When you look at that game, though, did South Carolina meet, exceed, or fall below your expectations for the game on Saturday night? I think it's really a little column A and column B. I mean, it's it's awesome to watch somebody like Josh Van emerge as a go-to receiver, one that we desperately needed coming into the season where there was a lot of uncertainty there. It's awesome watching Jalen Foster have a huge game with two picks and becoming a leader in that secondary. On the down, on the other side of that, it is severely disappointing to you know have another you know be the third game of the season. We're still racking up eight penalties. And you've got, you know, taunting, unsportsmanlike conduct, a slew of offensive line miscues with holdings and false starts. And, you know, it's disappointing to watch yourself continually be put into a hole trying to battle a far superior opponent. And so, you know, it, it's good to see those. It's good to see the progression at the receiver position and on the back end for us where we've got we know, OK, you know, these, these guys are emerging. It's tough. <laughs> it's really tough to watch us pass block against anybody right now. And I don't know what the magic elixir for that is. Yeah. I, I was going to say, we'll start there. I mean, it's, I know you and I are both sitting here like wondering, cause everybody asked me like, what's wrong with the offensive line? I'm like, I don't know. Like it's, it's hard to grasp because, and that, that was my biggest takeaway Alex from Saturday was everything else has sort of been exactly as I expected. The offensive line though, I think we can now sit here and say the week of Kentucky, this is a problem. We, we, Houston, we have a problem because we week do. one, you got the benefit of the doubt. Week two, fans are even trying to say, well, we played down to our competition. But for the second straight week, you averaged 2.8 yards per carry. For the second straight week, you got to halftime and your rushing numbers were absurd. I don't know if you knew this, Alex. You had eight rushing yards at halftime. I know Georgia has that many. Well, they, yeah, I get, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think the difference was this time we didn't have the sack yardage like we had against East Carolina. Thank God Luke Goatey was in there, yeah. which we'll get into that in just a second. But eight rush yards at halftime. Give George all the credit in the world. The defensive front is great. But, I mean, there's just truly no excuse to how this offensive line is playing. I mean, I had John Strickland, friend of the show, buddy of mine, texting me during the game, former Gamecocks offensive lineman. I mean, he was furious with the missed assignments. It's just literally as simple stuff. And it's, again, I don't want to make it sound elementary because I know playing offensive line is extremely complex. And, of course, you were a tight end, so you got a taste of that. There's, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's, it's, it's hard for fans to watch. And it's like, you just let a guy run right past you. Like, nothing about that makes sense to anyone. Like, you know, you saw a couple of times a guy just stick his arm out, just, re, you know, retract it, and the guy runs right by. Or there's a yeah. guy right in front of him, and he – you know, our offensive lineman breaks the other way and the guy's got a free run at the quarterback. It's like, I get like the assignments miss, but it's like, how do you not even chip the guy that is standing right in front of you? It's, it's hard to compute right now. Yeah, especially when they were only rushing four people. <laughs> right. It's like, there's right. five of y'all like just right. somebody hit somebody. It was, I don't, I don't, it was, it was frustrating to watch because it's just like, they're, 
like we know they can do it, which is why I think it's so frustrating, right? So you you go back to last year as abysmal as last year was, and you know you got you, these guys are paving the way for Kevin Harris to have a you know record setting year, mm-hmm. and it's like you flash forward one year, and it's like they don't even understand the scheme of what they're trying to do, and I don't know. I mean, it can't just be a lack of talent because we've seen them do it before. So it's same, same guys from else. last year. I mean, right? Yeah. And well, so there's hey, something was, else was, there. And I was don't Mike, know this will this will make Gamecock fans skin crawl. Was Mike Bobo just that great of a play caller? Do, do Gamecock you did, fans want to? You watched the Auburn game this weekend, I assume. <laughs> I actually didn't catch a ton of it, but uh, I, I did, did hear that. It, I did hear that they're not very pleased with Mr. Bobo right now. Uh, as they shouldn't be, um, because there were some travesties in that one that we became all too familiar with. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Love to see. Couldn't, um, couldn't happen to a better group, really. That's that's fair. That's very fair. Um, the, I, but like further than that, I don't. I don't really even know what to say because it's just to your point. It's like you know they set to block and somebody just runs completely untouched in between two of them, and it's like nobody knows what their assignment is supposed to be. I'm I, as a casual observer, somebody not in the room or somebody not getting text messages from people. That's just kind of what it looks like. And I don't, there's gotta be a way to simplify that down to help them get better. And that's what we need to hope for. You know, one of my, one of my leading thoughts, Alex, and you'll get a kick out of this when I was watching the game though. And some of those, you know, you were seeing it on replay and those missed assignments. I was just thinking to myself, the eye in the sky don't lie. There's going to be some guys in film study that are going to wish they were not in that room <laughs> because yes. there were some plays where it's just like, ooh, I messed up. I really, really messed up bad. Um, and the guy that was trying to evade that pressure all night, Luke Doty, um, obviously one of the positives of the game, and, and I'll say this, I, you know, did not want it to happen the way it did with Zeb Nolan getting his hand stepped on and effectively being out, but – However it happened, Luke Doty took over. I think the guy that you and I both wanted to see under center all season long, finally out there, healthy enough, making plays. Was it a perfect game? No. Luke went 13-26, to around 158 yards or so, a touchdown and a pick that the deflection went off of Kevin Harris's hands on the interception. But, you know, I think we all saw why what we've been saying all preseason, early season, is that Luke Doty gives this team the best chance to win. I think we saw that on Saturday night. Again, especially if the offensive line is going to continue to have issues the way they've had. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Like, you need a guy with Luke Doty's athleticism. The way he was able, Alex, to, to step up in the pocket and make throws. And, hey, we even saw Luke Doty throw the ball down the field, which if you, if you listen to Gamecock Twitter or the echoes of Gamecock social media, You would have never thought he could throw the ball even past 20 yards, but made some really nice throws to Josh Fan. Obviously, the touchdown pass he had to him. Um, Talk about what you saw from Luke Doty. Again, was it perfect? No. And is he a perfect player? I mean, people have to remember, this guy is basically still a true freshman. Um, But was it it a perfect performance? No. But I think you saw a lot of the things, again, that you and I spent a lot of time talking about as to why he's this football team's best option under center. For sure. You saw the dimension that he brings to it with the escapability. He's got great arm strength. I mean, he threw, he threw a bunch of good deep balls against Georgia. He took a ton of shots standing there in the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield and letting the ball go as quick as he could. And he was really putting it on the money to a lot of Dude, those guys. I, I was scared at one point. I was like, maybe we should take Luke Doty out because our offensive line is going to get him killed. <laughs> I mean, truly. So talking about he's making a, throws under pressure, yeah. 
But, I mean, he was. And, and, you know, when he saw pressure, he got out of the way, moved as best as he could to get rid of the ball. I mean, I, I think more than anything, what you saw from Luke was a spark. You saw kind of like the attitude, everything kind of just hinge on that, like, oh, our guy's in here. Now let's go get this. And, you know, <laughs> unfortunate uh, safety play call aside, you know, we like other than that five point swing, you know, it was what 21 six and then the half or 21, what was it? 21 six. Seven, yeah, we had, we had six at half. Yeah, we had six at half. But they, but they had because we, we, we scored the, uh, we scored the touchdown in the fourth quarter. They they had they had, they had 21, and 21, then they got to 21, 26. Yes, six. Yeah, yes. that's what it was. Okay. Um, you know, you look at that, and it's like, okay, this is manageable. Mm. And you're kind of, and then of course, you know, you get the safety, and then they throw a couple of passes and kick into the field goal. So I mean, that was a not the best look, but you know, I think you just saw that spark mm. where you can, I mean, certainly more than anything else, you know, expand down the field. I mean, we threw a lot more deep balls with Luke in the game, you saw a lot more creativity, I think, from him just being able to scramble, roll out, put money, put the put those balls on the money, you know, running full speed. And I think that's that spark and that dimension that he brings to the offense that nobody else can. Now, Alex, I got a couple of texts Saturday night. I definitely want to get your take on this because you just mentioned that play call in the end zone. And Shane Beamer actually took credit for that, saying, you know, I I messed up. I gave Georgia five points, which credit to Shane Beamer, by the way, for just owning that and just being like, hey, I screwed up, whatever. Um, but I, I, it's not very loud, but I, I've heard some concern from Gamecock fans about Marcus Satterfield and his offensive play calling. And we're only three games into this thing. And I, I tend to say, you know, look at the, with all due respect, look at the personnel he really has to work with, and especially with the way the offensive lines play. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ready to start coming after Marcus Satterfield quite yet, but I'll ask you, like, what do you think about the play calling so far through the first three weeks of the season? Let me answer that question after Kentucky because I don't want to. I don't want to like cement his legacy with a graduate assistant playing the first two games. And it's that, so, and it's hard to gauge anything off the Georgia game. I think as well against a team that's just so superior talented to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they got what, what that Jonathan Davis kid is what like six six three forty and runs like a four eight. <laughs> They're D linemen run like wide receivers. Yeah, that guy is, is, uh, is a gigantic mountain of a man that we had no answer for. So, I mean, let's let's see what we do against Kentucky before we start asking for heads to roll. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, I, I had somebody comment say, you know, the fact Greg Adkins has a job on this Monday is 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 insane. I'm like, dude, I mean, we're three games into this thing, bro. <laughs> like, I, I understand, but we're three games in this thing, but. You gotta, yeah. love, you gotta love the passion from the fan base. Um, side note, really quickly, because you mentioned Jordan Davis and that that defensive line. Did you see the clip from Shane Beamer after the game when he was asked about what the you know what were they doing up front to give you guys problems? And he said, "Well, they have like a hundred five star players in their defense." That felt very Spurrier esque to me, like in a way of yeah. like how Spurrier was just so blunt and honest. What what did you think about uh, Coach Beamer's reaction to that question? I loved it because it like there was no like oh well they just got us here schematically he was like no they have a lot of good players they're just better than we are right now we're gonna get there but there wasn't they didn't do anything special they're just really good yeah I, I respected it I respected his his, his take one hundred and ten percent I mean he just called it for what it is and I again it, that's a lot better than that's a lot better than hearing well we're gonna go back and watch the tape and reevaluate <laughs> it's like yeah no, like he was no, <laughs> he was, no need my friend. 
No need. There's, there's no evaluation that needs to be performed. <laughs> you there's can go watch that really tape a hundred times, and it's going to show you the same thing, my guy. Um, yeah. Moving to the other side of the ball, Alex, again, I, I don't know if there's a ton to talk about. Georgia, I think we, we both kind of made this point last week about, hey, your defense is doing great. You're fourth in the country right now nationally in the rankings, and you're giving up two third-down conversions, but you're going to get a real test this weekend. And, of course, Georgia, all they did was go nine of 12 on third downs, and uh, JT Daniels picked you apart, as I kind of expected. They threw for three, over 300 yards. This is my take on it, Alex, and, I, and I'll, I'll bounce this over to you. I don't think you're as bad defensively as you saw Saturday night. However, I don't think you're as good as you saw in the first two games. And, and again, it's very – we'll be able to gauge much, much more after Kentucky about this entire football team, but especially the defense. Is that a fair prognosis of the Gamecocks defensively through three weeks in your mind? Yeah, for sure. No, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, we played out of our minds against, you know, Eastern Illinois. So nothing to write home about there. Played really well against East Carolina, save for the opening play. Um, and then Georgia's just a good team. Like, they're not number two by accident. So, I mean, it's it's tough to indict the entire defense based on that performance, especially, you know, given – you know, offense isn't doing any favors in the first half. So, I mean, you're just out there, you know, every four plays. So, I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, I, I love that we got the turnovers that we did. Yeah. Well, so, why I, do it's you, nice to see that continue to happen. Yeah. Alex, you, you bring up something interesting. I want to ask you this because you mentioned Georgia's just a good team. And I agree with you. I picked them to win the national championship for the season. I think that's why, for me, it wasn't very hard to grasp that because I'm like, well, I picked him to go all the way, so I obviously picked him to beat South Carolina. Um, why do you think it's hard for fans to grasp that concept, though? Because I, I think that's – I think a lot of it comes down to that. It's like fans can't grasp that – and, again, this is not meant as a slight or a knock on anybody, but, like, not all football players are built equally, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. stars isn't, isn't everything, right? As Brad Lawing was very quick to point out to me a few weeks ago, stars doesn't mean everything, right? A lot of the system is – silly and rigged and it's political and all that but they don't mean everything but they kind of do on the on the flip side like you got to have the jimmies and joes if you don't want to call it stars you got to have nfl caliber football players to beat a team like georgia at their house at night and the reason south Carolina was able to do that in 2011 was they had guys like swearinger and Clowney and gilmore and Lattimore and alshon it's like guys who are still doing it that's yeah. the difference. It's just it's interesting for me that again, I, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to be the the Debbie Downer guy, and it's totally fine. South Carolina will get there. Shane Beamer will build that. He will get there. But I think it's hard for fans to just grasp that. Hey, I love our guys. We're going to roll with our guys each and every single week. But just because there are guys doesn't mean they're the best football players on the field on that given night. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, hundred percent. I would tell you this too on like the, you know the five-star rivals, 24-7 ESPN analysis. Like, those those rankings don't measure, like, how good of a football player you are. Those rankings measure how athletic you are. Right. How fast are you? How big are you? Because they're literally basing jump. it up. They're literally basing it off 40 times and measurables. And, I mean, it's not, yeah. Correct. How so, productive I mean, a, a player you, you are. Right. You could have, you know, 40% of the five-stars, you know, turn out to be, you know, NFL players or, you know, really good college football players. But what you're really measuring is you have a ton of five-stars on your team is you got a ton of athletic individuals who can do a lot of stuff. So it, do, it certainly doesn't measure how good of a football player you're going to be, but it, it gives you a baseline for what you can 
athletically accomplish, I think. Um, you know, as far as, you know, disappointment, I don't really know how to spin that. I, I don't know what the expectation was going in. I mean, it's like we squeaked by East Carolina. It's like, well, this is going to be a tough game. You know, and I think more than anything, I think it's probably disappointment from execution more than anything else. It's just like, hey, you know, we've got, you know, nine penalties, eight or nine penalties again for the third week in a row. Our offensive line not blocking anybody for the third week in a row. And I think, you know, if you do, if, if we had not just let free rushers come at the quarterback all night or, you know, been able to advance the ball on the ground and you lose 40 to 13. I think people have a different attitude about that. So I think a lot of the execution miscues are probably what's feeding into that or they're just delusional. It's one of the two. How do you fix the penalties? Because I, I don't think football players are going out there trying to make penalties. And I will defend Josh Van until the end of time. Dude, that seemed he, egregious. Said, he said two that words to the guy. He said two words egregious. to him. Yeah. I'm that, like, that, I'm like, if you're gonna flag Josh Van, flag every defensive guy who gets up and flexes after a big play. Like, he said two. He he had. I don't know if you've ever seen Bull Durham before, but when Crash yes. Davis gets tossed for calling the guy a cocksucker, which our mascots the cocks, so I guess I can just say that without any care on this show. He called. He's like. <laughs> he's like. Crash Davis used a word that's a no no amongst minor league umpires, right? Like, I'm like, Josh Van must have said something. He, he must have used a word that you can't say on the field of play. Cause I'm like, he looked at him and looked back and he got flat. I'm like, what did he do? Anyways, it, I don't know. It, 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 it's a flag that probably should have stayed in the pocket there. It's insane. Uh, but like, <laughs> like the holdings and false starts. Right. Like that's Ele- elementary something. stuff. Elementary stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff is our. But how do you how do you fix it? I, again, how do you how do you fix? Again, I don't think players are going out there trying to make penalties, and especially though the the unsportsman likes and like how how does that get fixed? So the unsportsman likes it's really just you know you've just got to coach them to not lash out or not even not lash out, but just not like play within yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Don't don't get up, just go back to the huddle. Like, if you can make that, like, a team effort, you will eliminate that kind of stuff. The false starts, it's just – that's sloppy. That's it. And, you know, I don't know how you make somebody care more about that, but it's just sloppy. And that's what I try to tell the fans, man. Is I, it's like, I can guarantee you Shane Beamer and his staff are not coaching our guys to make penalties. Quite the opposite. So – I'm sure. At yeah. the end of the day, it comes down to these guys on the field doing it. I mean, again – I mean, coach, if they are, coaching. it's a bold strategy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very bold strategy to go win with eight or nine penalties. You know what's funny though? Is I feel like we were we were kind of at least some of some of the Spurrier teams were also highly penalized. I don't know. That kind of we stands were. out. Yeah, we were a highly penalized team also. And Spurrier would complain about it. So, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. That's I have no idea. I I genuinely I mean, like it, yeah. The other side of that too is we're taking all our snaps out of the gun. Yeah. So I don't know. Like you could very easily fix that. I just don't know again, not being in the meeting room, like I don't know what they're yeah count is to that snap i don't know if somebody's tapping somebody else or who could say yeah now last thing else before we get off the georgia game because i the thing for me the thing that stood out and i think for most fans you know the, the greatest positive was seeing this football team fight until the very end and compete and that's something we kind of lost over the last couple of years you know there's been a lot of a lot of south kind of teams with uh the previous regime and the previous coach which i'm sure you saw gladly saw on espn saturday night 
Um, but uh, where it, did it, it make your like, blood boil too? Or it, it made my skin made... crawl a little bit. I couldn't <laughs> believe how far in the game they waited. I was like, I was just waiting the whole time, like that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I was, I was kind of surprised how little of a storyline that was. But I guess Georgia's so good that they don't. I mean, there's a hundred other storylines around Georgia football outside of what he did at Carolina. Either way, though. Oh, we, oh I know. I yeah, know. Yeah. He's got the, he had the glasses yeah, down yeah. on the bottom of his nose. And I'm like, you'd think with all the money that we're paying him, he would get LASIK. Get, just go get LASIK, bro. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we've seen Carolina teams, though, fold, you know, just, just roll over. And, and, I mean, we saw it last year. We've seen it in the previous years. This team continued to fight, though, continued to scratch, continued to claw, you know, had the late touchdown in the fourth quarter. And I, that's what really stood out to me is in the fourth quarter, our guys were still battling, still – fighting their asses off. And I, I know that's something all Gamecock fans appreciated. What also stood out to me, not just that, but Josh Van, and I've talked about this a lot this week, but I feel like it really needs to be noted. Yes, the game he had on the field was great. But I'm not sure if you heard this quote from him, Alex. Post-game, he was asked about Shane Beamer and the impact you know he's had, I guess, early in the season or just in general since he got the job and how that has contributed to his success on the field early this season. Because, of course, he's established himself as our number one guy. Josh Van, though, said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said that he refound his love for the game of football when Shane Beamer and his staff got there. Now, to me, that says two things. Number one, that shows you how bad things were before. And then number two, what it screams to me and why, again, I, I'm, I feel really good and really confident about the direction of the program and what's going on in that building. When you have a player say something like that, like I think that should make fans feel – very, very good about what's happening at South Carolina. Again, this first year, it's going to be a mixed bag. You know, we're we're kind of figuring out things as we go along. You have a first-year head coach. You're, you're getting the most you can out of this roster. But hearing that type of comment from Josh Van, again, refinding his love for the game of football. When you hear that, I mean, what does that say to you? I mean, that tells me everything I need to know about the previous regime and what Coach Beamer's doing now. Like, he's brought that – you know, infectious attitude, like let's go be great back into that locker room. And, you know, to your point, like they didn't quit. They could have like shut it down, just run out the clock in that second half, especially you're down 40 to six. It's like, all right, well, let's just get out of here. And we didn't do that. We didn't do that at all. We're still throwing the ball down the field. Josh, man, got that touchdown. And I think that that wouldn't have happened last year or that wouldn't have happened in 2019 either because we would have gotten down there and inevitably kicked a field goal. Um, so, you know, to score that touchdown there at the end, I don't know. That's just big. I mean, it's just like, cause they didn't quit. Hmm. And I think you, that is totally, that is totally an attitude that's coming from the top and that's just going to get better as the season goes on. And I know many fans were happy that, uh, you know, even later in that game, we went for it on fourth and goal and didn't get it. And many fans were saying, yeah, the previous coach would have just kicked the field goal just to make it 40 to 16. Just, 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 to, just to do it. You know, <laughs> like, just, no doubt. Just to, there's not, and that's the funny part. There's no doubt. That's no doubt that would have happened. No doubt. 100%. No doubt. Because Parker White needs practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'd have been the laughing stock. Like we're kicking a field goal down 40 to 13. Yeah. Thank I God. I mean, we ran up, we ran a play action pass on our own one yard line. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. You guys want aggressive play would... calling and an aggressive coach. You got one. You got one. Yep. Um, before we get you out of here, Alex, obviously looking ahead to this upcoming weekend, you know, 
we talked during ECU week. I came in this season saying ECU was the most important and most pivotal game of the 2021 season. And, you know, I think sitting here two and one now, hey, two and one feels a lot better than one and two. That's all I know. Mm -hmm. But this one was labeled against Kentucky by many as their most important game. And certainly I, I acknowledge that, hey, it's fair to label it that way. And it was right behind East Carolina as the most important game because getting back to beating the cats has got to be on a yearly basis has got to be a top priority for Shane Beamer. If you're going to get back to legitimacy and being a legit program and getting closer, at least to the level that Steve Spurrier had you on competing year in and year out in the sec East and the sec as a whole, you've got to beat Kentucky on an annual basis. Bottom line, you look at this game, Kentucky's a very, very good football team. And I think this game, Alex, is going to serve much more as a measuring stick um, for South Carolina. I want to warn fans right now, though, and I'll be doing this throughout the week, the season's not over if you lose to Kentucky. I actually picked Kentucky as a loss in the preseason and still picked the Gamecocks to get the sixth win. However, Alex, you cannot deny this is a huge game and a huge opportunity for Shane Beamer and his team this Saturday. 100%. I mean, it's your, first, it's your SEC home opener. And you've got a – I think you've got an opponent that you're on infinitely more equal footing with that you can go out there and, you know, lines at, what, five. So that's basically can go either way. So, you know, you go out there and you play to the best of your ability and see what happens. I mean, because at the end of the day, I don't think Kentucky's – Kentucky's six and six, seven and five team, maybe eight and four if you can win a, if you can win a couple. Um, so, you know, they're, they're more or less on equal footing with us. And so I think being able to play up to this opponent, and if you're able to get a win out of it, that is huge for the rest of the way. I'll let you share perspective, Alex. What would you say to fans? Because one of my biggest fears, I think, for this weekend, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, look at the glass half empty. I'm just, I'm just trying to provide some perspective because South Carolina could lose this football game Saturday. They could. They're an underdog. They could. They certainly could. Again, I picked you to lose in the preseason. What do you say to fans? Because my biggest concern is, and whether they say it publicly, whether they actually say it vocally or they think it, one of the reasons this game is so big for Shane Beamer is because if you lose this game, night game, home opener, SEC opener, if you lose this game, you know it and I know it. There's going to be a lot of fans that say to themselves, here we go again. We got another coach that can't beat Kentucky. Like, what is Shane Beamer doing? Like, I mean, there, there were people that were upset after this past weekend, which is nuts to me. So you know it's going to happen after Kentucky, though. Like, yeah. what do you say to fans? I mean, I think you and I both understand and have perspective. Hey, it's the fourth game in the first year. You got to let him build. But, I mean, what would you say to those fans that, like, just to, just to be the calming voice where people don't overreact and just pull a quick trigger on, on what's going on right now? I mean, my number one would be we lost at App State. We lost two App State at home less than two years ago. We've already matched last year's win total. Like, we're three games into the season, everybody. Pump the brakes here. Like it, like you said last week, you know, they're coaches. They're not wizards. So you can't just, like, conjure up wins out of thin air. And, you know, we're finally, I think, for the most part, you know, other than Trog Green, basically back to 100% health on offense, or at least it looks like it on this point. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to have your full complement of weapons practicing together throughout this entire week. So let's see what it looks like. 
For sure. Very well said. Wise words, Alex McGrath. Alex, always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time as always. Last thing before we get you out of here, I'm going to put you on the spot, make a prediction. Do the Americans get it done this weekend at Whistling Straits? Yes. Just because I want to root for that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Brooksy and DeChambeau put their, put their differences aside and lead the Americans to a much-needed victory. We love that. Hopefully in separate groups. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That, let's – uh, Yeah. What, what, they're going to start asking each other about their drivers and everything. Hey, Bryson, how, how's, just, your, how's, just, your, how's your driver treating you this week, Bryson? Oh, it's just not in front of a camera. <laughs> just please don't make them all shot partners is all yeah. I'm really asking. Oh, man. Oh, man. That would be golden. Mic them both up. Golden content. There we go. Pay, pay like the extra premium channel just, just to hear I them. Probably, I would pay for that. Oh, now that I've said it out loud, I think they should definitely do that and charge extra for it. <laughs> I love that. I love that for sure. Alex, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you doing it. And again, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk next week. That sounds good, bud. For sure. He's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Fultz. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.